Blog Talk Radio. topic nights if we don't have a guest. Next weekend, next Friday, we are going to um, have a, a wonderful guest on on Friday night. I found him. He's been on once before, but a long time ago. And uh, he is uh, the director of an organization called A Safe Place for Men. A Safe Place for Men. Now, these are um, people who had as children um, been abused and, and all the things that we all go through, okay? And uh, so he, he's the director of A Safe Place for Men. You might want to look it up in the meantime. And um, just type into your browser, Safe Place for Men, and it should pop up, and you'll see what it's all about. So we're going to have him on next Friday, and that will be very good. Okay, so tonight um, I'm going to be speaking about mental health. Um, I had a lot of training in that. And also, too, with childhood, you know, when we're abused as children, um, you know, if we don't get the help we need, it then turns into a fiasco later on in our lives and uh, how it affects us mentally, emotionally, physically, psychologically, all of the good things, okay, that (laughs) once in a while we talk about. So we have a lot to speak about. Tonight I have Lori with me. She's my co-host. And uh, then we also, too, have Philip, and I'm glad he called in. The telephone number is 646-595-2118. That's 646-595-2118. And if you'd like to call in, ask questions, um, I'll do my best to answer anything that you have. And, um, you know, we'll go from there. We can actually make a, you know, there's room for maybe two or three people, say, to call in. And, uh, you know, if there's something you'd like to know about what I'm speaking about. Now, I got a lot of my information from Mayo Clinic. I do that. I go to all different sites. And uh, PMC um, and, and also childwelfare.gov, okay, um, that has an awful lot to offer. So what I do is I take things that I had from the past and I update it. Okay, that's one way of my getting topics. Okay, so um, I want to read the mission statement and talk a little bit about NASCAR. 
We have a singleness of purpose at NASCA, and that is to address issues related to childhood abuse and trauma, including sexual assault, violent and physical abuse, emotional traumas, and neglect. And we do so two different ways. Number one is educating the public, especially as relating to getting society over the taboo of discussing childhood sexual abuse, presenting the facts that show child abuse to be a pandemic, worldwide problem that affects everyone. And we can certainly say that today. And you could say it years ago. And uh, you never get rid of child abuse, but we as people, as a society, have got to learn how to deal with it better. And then maybe we'll put that little dent that I talk about in the statistics of child abuse. That's always my hope. All right, number two is offering hope for healing through numerous pairs and providing many services to adult survivors of child abuse and information for anyone interested in the many issues involving prevention, intervention, and recovery. If we would look more into prevention, there's a lot of us who could do a lot of different things. Sometimes people will say to me, well, Carol, what can I do? I'm just me. Well, of course, you've heard the saying, if you see something, say something, okay? Make a phone call. Um, We're all mandated reporters now. This is just something you have to understand. Um, If you see something, you certainly have the right and, and also the obligation, okay, to make the phone call, even just to the police department, because they have trained, uh, you know, social workers and so forth, sometimes right on staff, or someone they can call immediately if they're going to go to someone's house, say, for domestic violence issues and things like that. And um, they have that person with them also. And uh, it's a good thing. So uh, you don't have to give your name. You can remain anonymous. You don't say have to, you know, have to say who you are. You can also call the 1-800-4-A-CHILD number. That's 1-800-4-A-CHILD number, or, or a child, what do I say, 1-800-4-A-CHILD, yeah, whatever. Call that number. Um, it's a good number to call because I did call it at 2 o'clock in the morning, and I uh, made like I was a person. <laughs> People who know me know I do these things. made like I was a person who was in need, and uh, I needed help, Okay. And uh, I wanted to see what they'd say. Many times, yes, I admit, you'll call places that say, you know, they're a hotline service, and you'll get just music or or recording, something to that effect, and then maybe they get back to you the next day, or maybe they don't, okay? Now, I know of services where they're there 24 hours a day, man, you know, they're manning the phones, and when the phone calls come in, you can certainly talk to a trained counselor, okay? And uh, so I wanted to see what they had to say, and they did fine with me, and then I told them where I was from, um, who I represented, and I was vice president uh, of NASCA, and so forth and so on, and we ended up getting them on the show many times over the years, okay? Um Maybe, maybe I can get them to come back on. They now have new people there. I will see. And that is child help, okay? That's who I'm speaking about. So, anyway, the point is um, I want everyone to get more, uh, you know, into reading the, uh, the mission statement, what it says, what it means, what I just read, and then also to the whole front page of the website. You'll see red blocks. I call them blocks. Each one has a different topic in it. If you go to it, you'll learn things, 
and over to the right-hand side of the page next to the last red block, click on to that, and you will learn about prevention, intervention, and recovery, how to speak to a child, um, how to handle situations like I just mentioned. If you see something, say something. Um, ways to protect your own children because we live in a very dangerous world. And quite frankly, we have to do better as parents and as grandparents, um, you know, to help our children and, and, and to teach them the, the good and the bad and the ugly, as I always call it that, because that's what it is. You have good people, you have bad people, and then you have the really ugly people, all right? So I use that. that years ago, that was a, a movie, by the way, and it was hysterical. You should watch it if you can find it, the good, the bad, and the ugly. But anyway, I use that I use that um, as a term because that's exactly what we live with in society, is the good, the bad, and the ugly. We have to teach our children how to defend themselves better, what red flags to look for, how to speak to our children so we can train them so they can, uh, you know, they'll see those red flags and also, too, to let them know that you're always there for them because so many of us on NASCA didn't have parents who were there for us, okay? And um, so those parents out there um, today who love their children and certainly don't want them to end up like a lot of us did, um, you do that. You teach them all about child abuse. You teach them all, and there's ways of doing it age-appropriately, that information is right on our website. If you click on to that red block I'm talking about, um, you'll see all different articles that pop up, okay, all different articles. And, and that's what we need so badly because, you know, if you, everyone out there who does listen, whether you're listening now or whether you're listening later, whatever the case might be, um, and there are a lot of people who do listen later, blog talk, they give us some information on that. But the point is, if you do teach your children, not only are you doing them a service, but if you don't, you know, teach your children, you're doing them a disservice. It's not good enough just to teach them across the street. It's not good enough to tell them not to take candy from strangers, all right? It's not a good idea. And so you need to be, you know, a little bit more on your toes. And with the Internet also, one night here soon I'm going to do a... Um, a show on the Internet safety. Um, it used to be that people would go around and teach about the Internet safety. Um, things have changed. Um, now they, well, a lot of them want to be paid. They don't, they don't work like we do at NASCAR, right? <laughs> we don't get paid for anything. But my way of payment, and, and Lori's and, and, and maybe Phillips too, is to understand the information that we give out and then help people. All right? That, that's sort of like my payment, okay? And that's okay with me. All right. So what I'm going to do is I have in front of me, this is from the Mayo Clinic, and I just want to brush past this and into it because what I'm going to speak about is a little bit heavier. Um, it speaks more about adulthood, too. Um, but it says here on the, on the very top, it says, if you see something, please do something to prevent child abuse. There are over 600,000 children um, at least, who are victims of child maltreatment, okay? That's what they say here. 
any intern what it says any internal harm or mistreatment to a child under 18 years of age is considered child abuse. Child abuse takes many forms, which often, you know, occur at the same time. So you have the physical abuse. We speak about physical abuse. And, um, and, and that, you know, we know what physical abuse is because many of us have been beaten and so forth. Okay. Then you have sexual abuse. Sexual child abuse is any sexual activity with a child, such as fondling, oral, contact, intercourse, exploitation or exposure to child pornography, okay? People don't understand that. Uh, I'll do a show on that also um, about pornography. Look, if you're two adults, and, and that's your business, okay, but you don't show things like that to, to children. You don't do that. And they found out, because studies do show this, that um, people who are addicted to pornography many times came from a past where it was given to them or they were exposed to it or whatever. Okay. All right, so we have emotional abuse. Emotional child abuse means injuring a child's self-esteem, telling them they're good and things like that. It includes verbal and emotional assault, such as continually belittling or berating a child, Hey, you're never going to amount to anything, you know what I'm saying? You're just a stupid kid. <laughs> I used to hear that. <laughs> okay. As well as isolating, kids will many times isolate. Um, and, and, and also, too, the parents will isolate themselves from the child. That's emotional abuse. You don't talk to them. You don't include them in things, things like that. Ignoring or rejecting a child. Medical abuse. Medical child abuse occurs when someone gives false information about illnesses in a child that requires medical attention, putting the child at risk of injury and unnecessary medical care. That's very weird. Neglect. Child neglect is failure to provide adequate food, shelter, affection, supervision, education, or dental, all right, or medical care. You hear these? There you go. <laughs> okay, I'm such a nut. All right. So, but many times they don't uh, they don't take a child to a dentist. They don't do that. The kid might have a pounding toothache. I can relate to that. And, and uh, need a dentist really bad. And, and quite frankly, before I was born, they would put a, a string around. This is a true thing. They'd put a string around a kid's tooth and just yank it out. That's all. They, they they put a string around it, and then I think it was put it to a door, tie it to a door, then, like, open the door real hard, and the tooth would come flying out. Well, that's for loose teeth, and it's also for bad teeth. That's how they treated, um, you know, going to the dentist, I should say, not going to the dentist. They became the dentist. So these are ways that you can, um, you know, some, just a few ways that, that children are abused. Do you have any of that going on, or did you have any of that going on in your life, Lori? Oh, my God. I'm sitting here like I had everything. <laughs> it just sounds pretty yeah. bad. That's you know, right. I just, like, and this last thing about putting a string around a tooth to pull it, that's <laughs> true. They did that to me. That's, when oh they lose teeth, that's what they did. Yeah. I was like, oh, my God. So, yeah, I went right up to the, and then I hit, of course, you know, not getting medical care. 
Um, I used to have earaches, stomach problems. Um, I had a concussion where I was totally knocked out at like two, drowned <laughs> at two and a half. Because my father yeah. put me in, and they never took me to the doctor to check out my lungs. It just revived me. And then at four, being thrown out the window, um, definitely broken back. I didn't know it was a crushed head, not taking me to a doctor. It can get that bizarre. And that is bizarre, but people do do that. You know, I've had uh, probably from the last show we talked about it, that the reason they probably didn't take me to the doctor is they almost killed my um, brother a year before from neglect. They didn't feed him. He didn't get food. Uh, at three months old, he was seven pounds. Finally, oh the family said, yeah, I saw the pictures of it. it. His bones are in his head were all crushed in. I think that's why he was crazy. So um, it was a, a severe, severe case by me. I think the only one who got away with less damage was my sister because she didn't have sexual abuse from my father. But I'm telling you, living in a house where everybody is like that, there's no way anybody could come out normal. I'm surprised I'm still alive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And to think that there's other people like that, it's just so sad. And that's mm-hmm. why we have to do these shows. We've got to convince people to call when you see it. It's not going to come from the inside. Families. To turn away. It's going to be the people that you know know, and that's your neighbors in your school. They have to call. That's the only way to save kids today. Unless you step right in and you know grab the kid. Mm-hmm. They beat up kids in front of you these days. They don't care. You know, no. I've had to put myself in between a kid and his mother. You know, it's it's out there, and the only way to do it is what we're doing. I love when you That's reach right. page in the services. I love it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, you know, um, Mayo Clinic, you know, everyone listening, you know, that, that's a good source of information. All you have to do is type in your browser, Mayo Clinic dash child abuse. That's it. And, and then you, you get all of this information. It's really easy to do, Okay. Um, yeah, I've had a lot of training and a lot of schooling and everything, but you don't have to be a genius or anything to do that, okay? And then you, you see for yourself, you know, all the things. And poor Lori, for God's sake, I can't even imagine all of that stuff going on in one household without someone getting killed. Seriously. Un- unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. I should have been dead. We both should have been dead. Me and my brother. But it goes on. It does. And that's why there are kids who are dead, all right? I mean, there's every year they're coming up with new stats, so I'm not going to uh, read that one because I want to see what they have for 2023. It's a little bit early, but uh, it's already almost November, so it'll be coming up soon. I want to see what those stats are. I think I'll probably be able to go right to the Mayo Clinic and and write in there, you know, type in there, um, what are the stats for those who died because of child abuse in 2023, when the time comes, and and I'll be able to get that set. It's not a hard thing to do. You see, we we try to raise awareness on this show. That's right in our mission statement. 
to educate and to, you know, bring forth awareness. And and this is one way of doing it. You can do it on your own even if you if you have the interest, okay? I want to say something here too. A child who's being abused may feel guilty. Well, I never felt guilty. I was mad, okay? But ashamed or confused. He or she may be afraid to tell anyone about the abuse, especially if the abuser is a parent, see? Now, you're talking about parents. I'm talking about parents. Philip, I I don't know what's going on in your household or what went into your household, and you'll tell me when you're ready. But if you have parents who are very, very abusive, that affects you, which we're going to get into, for the rest of your life. And if you don't get the help that you need, then you're going to have a very hard time in life. And I do remember from when I was working, you know, in in Greystone, um, Woody Guthrie was there, by the way, not when I was working there. I wish the heck I'd been there when he was there. He was there before I started working there. But and I can make that public because they said that uh, Greystone is haunted. <laughs> hey, Halloween's coming up, so I can say this, all right? And uh, so, in the course of saying why it was haunted, they mentioned that he was there, and it was from the the late fifties into the early sixties. And um, of course, he was a songwriter. He was a wonderful songwriter, and all this other stuff. So we had some famous people in um, in, in Greystone. He wasn't the only one, there were others. So, you know, what I'm trying to get across to you is people, if they don't get the help that they need, then it turns into mental conditions. It can. And one of the things that it can turn into is bipolar. I've been doing a lot of study today on bipolar before this show. Now, when I was working there, before they tore it down, it had too much asbestos. Philip, if you saw this place, you would have freaked out. It looked like something gothic, like a, what was that movie, Superman, Spider-Man, and you saw all those weird-looking buildings. That's what Greystone looked like, and I enjoyed working there because I like just looking at the buildings, all right? But anyway, what I did find out going to school there, because we had to go to school there before we could even go on to the wards, and it was months, and they were grueling, um, but anyway, the point, I know I had to take a state exam, but and you had to have nothing less than an 80, or they wouldn't even hire you. They wouldn't think about hiring you, okay? So anyway, but the point is this. We learned so much from working at places like that. We just simply did. And now they're looking at people who are schizophrenic, and it's pretty well sealed at this point. They're all coming together and agreeing as it appears. I'm going to say as it appears that the schizophrenics say that I worked with, and we all worked with, we all had rotation. Sometimes I worked with the murderers, um, the sociopaths, the psychopaths, and then, um, you know, with schizophrenics and bipolar and um, uh, all the other issues that people had, okay. Um, So anyway, the point is um, a lot of them, because we did work with them so closely, we knew their records, and a lot of them came from homes that were dysfunctional, okay, very, very dysfunctional homes. Um, like what Lori was describing and like I could describe and, and many, many of us on this show. And we don't take yardsticks here, by the way. 
and um, say, oh, I had a harder time than you or any of this other stuff. We don't do that because trauma is trauma. One thing could traumatize a child to the same extent um, as uh, someone who had so much abuse, like many of us have, okay? Um, I've spoken about that before, and, and trauma is trauma. Okay, so um, I got through that. Withdrawal from friends and usual activities, changes in behavior such as aggression, anger. Now, that's going to be a big part of tonight's uh, show, the anger, hostility, um, hyperactivity, which I suffer from horribly. Um, changes in school performance, depression, anxiety, unusual fears, um, sudden loss of self-confidence, an apparent lack of supervision. Boy, I could do whatever I wanted to. Boy, I could do what I wanted. I didn't have a home. I mean, I had a home, but I didn't have a home. I could come and go as I pleased. I liked that. <laughs> I was a kid, right? All right. Frequent absences, you know, from school. I'd write my own notes, okay? Reluctance to leave school activities as if he or she didn't want to go home because the opposite, they were afraid to go home. They wanted to go. They didn't want to go home because they knew what they were walking into. Attempts at running away. I know what the pavement feels like under my head with a sweater rolled up as a, as a pillow, Rebellious or defiant behavior? Yeah, I was that. Self-harm or attempts at suicide? Absolutely. I have a nice little scar on my wrist. That's right. Mommy said, do it and do it right. My stepfather said, yeah. So you see, we're all brought up in terrible dysfunctional homes. And I, I got saved because a friend who was living with us came home early from a date, and she pulled me out of that house by my hair <laughs> and dragged me down the steps. And we went down to the business because I always was a part of the business. We always had businesses. And, of course, they have, you know, things up on the wall. They have uh, all kinds of gauze and all kinds of things in case you hurt yourself. And she did her best to wrap up my bleeding arm that was profusely bleeding. Probably needed to go to a hospital. All right. And uh, the hired help came out, and they tried to stop the bleeding, too. So, you see, this is how kids sometimes live. And this is why suicide rates are so high, you know, in dysfunctional homes. Uh, And my problem turned into suicidal ideation because I didn't want to live. I meant business when I was cutting my wrist. And who would want to with all the sexual abuse, physical, mental, emotional, all the things that we talk about in the mission statement there. When a kid goes through all of that, okay, and uh, in, the, in the world of psychiatry, they call it repetitiveness, okay? You have repetitive type of, of uh, behaviors that happen towards you from other people. Uh, you, maybe you're sexually abused time after time after time, or you're smacked around, or you're beaten, you're switched, and, and oh, poor Lori went flying out a window. And, and, you know, I mean, all these things, all these things that happen to people, um, then that's when it turns into complex post-traumatic stress disorder. It's not just a regular PTSD. It's then complex because it's repetitive. You don't have time to take a breath in between the next thing that happens. And if you don't get help, then you don't choose properly in marriage 
You just simply don't. You pick the wrong partners. I did it twice. The first, who was the father of our children, uh, was the worst. He didn't live to be very old. He lived to be about 64, I think. And uh, the second one, Marty, was with him for many years. We had a, It was a bounce type thing, like ping pong. Sometimes it was good, sometimes it was bad, and that's what confused me. I couldn't quite get out of it. All right, there's other things, other factors, too, which I won't mention on air. So, you see, um, we get into a situation, and we can't get out. We don't know how to get out. But the good news is, though, is that today our shelters for the women and men, too. Now, this guy that's going to come on next um, next uh, Friday, he'll certainly tell men, you know, guide them. And I'm going to put this on the Internet because I want men to listen. Um, you know, it teaches you what to do, how, how, to, how to leave a situation and so forth and so on. And with women, I always tell them, make that packet. Make sure you have an extra driver's license, extra keys, um, things like that, your important papers. Uh, if you have children, their birth certificates, your birth certificate, things like that. And, and always add money to it if you can. So you can just take off. And if you have one car, oh, well, <laughs> let them walk, all right? So, um, but anyway, let's get back to this. Physical abuse signs and symptoms, unexplained injuries such as bruising, fractures, or burns. Many times they'll take, in the hospital and ER room, they'll take um, x-rays of a child who's brought in, maybe with head trauma, because that's the big thing, unfortunately, is head trauma. has been for some years now. Um, but they'll do other x-rays of areas where they think don't look quite right, and they'll see that <clears throat> the child had a broken bone and it wasn't cared for, so it didn't heal right. <clears throat> Excuse me. It didn't heal right. So a lot of times, this is what we were talking about earlier, um, as part as as parents, you know, neglecting their children, um, if they have a broken, a broken bone, or breaking the bone, whatever, they won't take them to the hospital. <laughs> That's cute, right? So, you know, kids, they they heal, and the, and the bone isn't healed properly. So what are they going to do? Break the leg open, break the arm open, break my wrist open, things like that, um, <clears throat> to uh, reset it. I don't know, but I'm telling you this. We're living in a world where there's so much child abuse. It's disgusting. And the United States has a tremendous amount. I hate to say it. Okay. Um, pregnancy or sexually transmitted infections. Girls will go out. They do things. They get pregnant uh, because they've run away or whatever. Maybe they're getting trafficked out. Um, blood in the child's underwear if they're young, right? Statements that he or she was sexually abused, inappropriate sexual contact with other children. Those children can be right in your family. My brother couldn't leave me alone. And he finally openly raped me when I was 14, before it was touchy-feely. My mother didn't care, (laughs) because things like this happen in families. Excuse me, I have a sinus infection. But I'm here. Yes, I am. Okay. So, anyway... Inappropriate sexual contact with other children. Okay. Now, here's the emotional abuse signs and symptoms. Delayed or inappropriate emotional development. Okay. 
loss of self-confidence or self-esteem. Um, social withdrawal or a loss of interest or enthusiasm. Depression. Avoidance of certain situations, such as refusing to go to school. Maybe they're being bullied or ride the bus. Again, maybe they're being bullied on the bus. Definitely seeks affection. Sometimes they'll just be all over you and want hugs and kisses because they feel so unloved. And you know what's so sad about this, Lori and Philip, is the fact that kids, if they're not loved by their parents, instead of, um, they'll handle it two ways. They'll either avoid their parents but then internalize all of the feelings and neglects and that broken heart and spirit that you develop because they're not giving you the attention. Um, Or they'll try to go towards the the parent and and, and try work so hard to get that parent to give them hugs and kisses and and all this other stuff. That's normal. And, And the parent will push them away instead of giving them a pat on the head even. They'll push them away, and that's very, very, very hurtful. And that's why it says desperately seeks affection. A decrease in school performance or loss of interest in school. Yep, I did that. I just started to self-medicate at the age of 13, and um, I didn't want to feel anymore. So I started drinking at the age of 13. Loss of previously acquired developmental skills, okay? Whatever those skills might have been before that they had, they lose them. Now, here's the signs of neglect. Poor growth or weight, like you were talking about with your brother, Lori, okay? Poor growth or weight gain or being overweight. If a kid is much too much overweight, a lot of times you go to a chunky, you know, like when you're 12 years old or something. I don't mean that. But if you're terribly overweight, um, many times that kid is given too much pasta. Me and my pasta, right? <laughs> but too much pasta, not enough veggies and, and, and fruits and, and, and all this other stuff. Um, and that's unfortunate because that kid isn't even getting the proper nourishment that they need. Um, and Or they can be so skinny. All right. It's one way or the other. Um, at one time, food was held for me, and uh, that's probably what made me become an overeater when I finally did get food in front of me. I used to roll my sleeves up, and everybody would laugh. <laughs> I'm in business. I was hungry. Okay. Poor hygiene. Yes. A lot of times kids, for whatever reason, I know in my case when I was living in a pedophile house, I wasn't allowed to take a bath, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday. I was going to school like that, hello. And um, they'd let me take a bath on Friday in the evening before maybe my mother would show up to pay for my so-called care. So they didn't want me stinking, I guess. Now, I do the best that I could. With a washcloth, I was only six to seven and a half when I lived there. So I'd go in my little girl way, and I'd wash my body the best I could, especially after I'd been abused. Okay, lack of clothing or supplies to meet physical needs. Taking food or money without permission. I've done that. I did that. Hiding food or food for later. Well, 
kids do that also who aren't being properly cared for or nourished. Poor record of school attendance. Yeah, I started skipping school left and right. You bet I did. I wanted to go on self-medicate anyway, okay? Lack of appropriate attention for medical, we've spoken about this, dental, mm mm-hmm, or psychological problems, or lack of necessary follow-up care. Well, my mother was selective when she'd take me to the doctor, Lori. Oh, yeah. And uh, when I did, I had bronchitis that turned into pneumonia, and she knew it turned into pneumonia. She could tell. So she took me to the doctor. But on my hand, I had the remnants of terrible burns on the back of my hands. I was told to cook the pork chops that night, and they'd like them fried. They didn't bake them. They liked them fried. And the pan had um, a very loose handle on it. I didn't know that. I don't think anyone knew it. And as I was flipping, you know, taking the fork, and and I lifted up the, the pan to turn the pork chops over, (laughs) the boiling, boiling, boiling hot oil splashed all over my body and onto my hand, okay? So my clothing, I could tear that off quickly, but my hand had um, scars, blisters for months. And my mother took me because I had bronchitis, turning into pneumonia, and the doctor took one look at my hand. And he looked at her. Now, this was years ago. Was that maybe 14 or something? I don't know, something like that. I take that, yeah, it's about 14. And he said, hey, I can tell that these are burns that didn't heal properly. Why the hell? And he used the word hell. He said to my mother, why the hell didn't you bring her in? So he prescribed some kind of salve even though it was done a couple months before or whatever, um, for me to use. And he gave me a a shot. I think it was like a penicillin shot. I'm not sure. I was just a kid. And he glared at her, and he gave me, you know, the penicillin also too because I had bronchial pneumonia. This is what he figured. So he figured with the bronchial pneumonia, because he said one of the burns looked like it was infected. And that's what it says also. So you see, this is sheer neglect. Now, in those days, doctors and dentists and and school teachers, um, all these other people, you know, no one had, um, they were never told that they were mandated reporters. So they wouldn't report things back then, Laurie. They wouldn't do that. But at least a couple times in my life, someone did champion my cause. And they did say something to my mother. One time it was from neglect and hygiene, personal problems. And another time was uh, this with the burns on the scarring on my hand. Okay. Okay. Um, Lack of appropriate attention for medical, dental, and psychological problems. We just went through that. Okay, here's the parental behavior. Sometimes the parent's demeanor or behavior sends red flags about child abuse. Now, Mayo Clinic talks about red flags too. So this is a good source to go to. 
The warning signs include a parent who shows little concern for the child, appears unable to recognize physical or emotional distress in the end and in the child, blames the child for the problems, consistently belittles or berates the child and describes the child with negative terms such as worthless or evil. Now, no one ever called me evil. I thought they were evil, and they would look at me with a face that was maniacal. What about you, Lori? Did anybody call you evil uh, or anything? They called me witch. That, that was my name. That's right. You told me that. They called you yeah. witch. That's yeah. why I called Gilda the witch when I got older. Yeah, that became her name. Spread <laughs> <laughs> okay. around the family. And one day my niece actually called her, because they lived in the same house, uh, which grandma. She was little. <laughs> <laughs> They're rolling with that one. Yeah. Oh my so, God. Yeah. I didn't have any other kind of name, so yeah, I grew up with that. I eventually thought, hey, you know what you guys made me into is kind of witchy, but still wasn't my name. <laughs> so I just found on hearing my name. And then when I was older, I decided I didn't like the name, so I didn't care if they never called me Lori. <laughs> Oh, my God. oh, yeah, yeah, uh-huh, yeah. When I when I was a teenager, um, I had plenty of food finally, okay? So I overate. So they didn't call me Carol. They called me Plumpy. I was so freaking mad, and I can say that on air, because I'd be in the store with them. They'd want me to go with them at times, and, and they wanted I wasn't with them. I'd go to the other part of the store, and they yell, Plumpy! Do you know what that does to a kid? Now, I wasn't fat, fat. I was never fat, fat. But I was maybe, I don't know, 15, 10, 15 pounds overweight, that's all. So they would call me that, and I would feel like I was a sixteenth of an inch tall, okay? Because people would look at me and laugh, all right? Oh, shush up. Hold on. Let me move my phone. I uh, I, I always get so many phone calls. Okay. Um, but anyway, yeah, okay, uh, name-calling, whatever name-calling there might be that's detrimental to a child, that's abuse, okay, that's abuse, too. So it says here, expects the child to provide him or her with attention and care and seems jealous of other family members getting attention from the child. That's strange, that one. I'm going to read it again. Expects the child to provide him or her, you think they wouldn't even care, see, that's what's bothering me, with attention and care and seems jealous of other family members getting attention from the child. I don't know. I never experienced that. I can't answer that. Uh, I guess I get it. Uses harsh physical discipline. Well, we all know about harsh physical discipline. Many of us here on NASCAR. And the other groups that are out there. See, I'm happy that other groups are forming because the more people that talk and the more things that get out, it brings forth then that awareness that we're so much seeking for society to understand, to listen to, to learn, and then help be a part of the solution. I don't know when that's going to happen, but we can, we can talk about it. 
Okay, uses harsh physical discipline. Demands an inappropriate level of physical or academic performance. Maybe some kids are C students. It could be. I was higher than that when I went. (laughs) But, you know, if a kid can only do a C, leave him the heck alone. Let's see. That's considered average, right? Yeah, average. So leave him the heck alone. Don't make him feel inferior. Several limits the child's contact with. Oh, I see. Severely, I'm sorry. Severely limits the child's contact with others. Maybe they want them all for themselves. What does that mean? Well, maybe they're just being mean to the kid. You can't go out and play today. That happened to me. I know that. What about you, Philip? Did you ever have go? Did you go through any of this stuff? Okay. Yes, several things that you mentioned. Okay. I kind of feel you have. We all have, you know. And, again, we don't take yardsticks. You know, we don't do that. Trauma is trauma. So, anyway, when you go through all of these things or some of these things or whatever, okay, it does bring something to your, your psyche. It, it affects you spiritually. It affects you every, every way, you know, that a child um, can be affected. Offers conflicting or unconvincing explanations for a child's injuries or no explanation at all. Lori, you brought that up. You didn't, uh, you thought maybe the parents were trying to hide some of the things that happened to you, you know, or they wouldn't take you to a doctor. Um, They hid my sister for an entire year, for real. And it was my aunt that told me this. I met her, she's two and a half years younger than me. I met her, she was locked in a room that we were told not to go into. One day, Gilda wasn't there, and um, the babysitter, I guess, she was using was my aunt who lived two houses away but never talked to him. Didn't understand that. But I decided to go into that room, open the door, and I saw this little tiny person standing up in the crib with um, the first haircut. used to look like a bowl cut almost. And I had yeah. seen pictures that she was born bald. But I didn't meet her. Until I saw her stand, she was so happy and jumpy and whatever. Then I tried. I said, "Let me go into the crib." And then my aunt came and told me to get out and then shut the door again. But uh, that—that's what they did to her for a whole year. Total sensory deprivation. I was like, my aunt said that that she was fed from the crib. She was changed and walked out. And you know, she told my father to put us in foster care and. She knew all about this stuff, so I pieced together what had happened and trying to figure out, you know, why she is the way she is, and it came from that, but they ruined her. She was such a nice little kid, but they definitely ruined her. That is so awful, Lori, okay? That, that's, that's awful, because the child isn't allowed to be a part of the family, they don't treat her as though she's a family member. Think about these things, what it does to a kid. Um, there's just so much damage that can be done with that. And, you know, there's a lot of fear factor going on in there because they probably, you know, left her in the dark, all kinds of stuff like that. And um, I know at times in my life I wasn't allowed to have a light on in my room depending on where I lived. And... Um, Boy, I, I have a vivid imagination, you know. <laughs> you know. All these things are going to come at me, you know. So I, I wouldn't get um, I wouldn't get proper sleep, 
and um, and I wasn't being fed hardly at all. I, I'd go, I'd sneak downstairs and um, eat dog biscuits because they didn't count them, just to get the grumbling out of my stomach. Let me tell you something. If anybody out there ever played making dirt pies when you were a kid outside, that's what a biscuit tastes like. <laughs> I don't know why dogs like them. <laughs> Gross. Okay. But anyway, um, okay. So child's health experts condemn the use of violence in any form, but some people still use corporal punishment. I did a show on that not too long ago, and you would be shocked. Um, spanking your child is considered to be corporal punishment. All right? Um, the only time that um, I, I disciplined my kids, uh, I had come home from detention. I was working there. And I had to wear a police uniform and everything because I was an officer of the court, and I had handcuffs on, things like that. No gun. I wasn't allowed to use a gun because I'm not a cop. But anyway, the point is this. So I came in, and all I did was ask my son to take, boy, if he's listening, he's going to yell at me, <laughs> to, to take the garbage out. And he looks at me, he goes, no. I said, what? <laughs> I just came in from uh, detention, right? Um, I said, David, all I want you to do is take the, the garbage out from me. No. What do you mean, no? I'm not going to do it. Oh, yeah? Off came the belt, and um, I, I slapped him a few times with the belt in, in, the, in his legs. Funny, I said legs, huh? That's where I was always hit. So I slapped him, you know, not very hard. So he said, Mother, control yourself. I said, what? And all of a sudden I started to laugh. It had absolutely no bearing on him what I was doing because he had heavy jeans on, and I didn't, like, whip him or anything. I just, you know, slapped him with the belt. He said, Mother, control yourself. And I said, well, uh, uh, will you take the garbage out now? And I walked upstairs and started to make dinner. Before he we went to bed, the garbage was out. So, you see, people have to control themselves because for him to stand there blatantly and say that, you know, was not being a nice boy, okay, to his mommy, who's out working hard. And that's all I asked him to do. But sometimes parents have to, you know, step back, go outside, get a breath of fresh air. Um, in those days, I was smoking two packs of cigarettes a day, thank you. Um, go out and have a cigarette, um, calm down, and then approach the matter later. Sit down with the child. You sit down with the child and you tell them why you're unhappy with them. And, if, you know, if if the child then, you know, gets up and goes and takes out the garbage, he doesn't remember his mom, you know, trying to hit him in the, in the legs. He won't have that memory. Today, he still laughs at it. He thinks it's funny. But what if I'd been like a 240-pound guy and had slapped him? You know, with, with the belt. Maybe I would have hurt him a little bit. I don't know. But you cannot spank your children. That's considered corporal punishment, such as spanking, as a way to discipline their children. Any corporal punishment may leave emotional scars. Um, 
parental behaviors that cause pain, physical injury, <clears throat> excuse me, or emotional trauma, even when done in the name of discipline, could be child abuse. Now, with my daughter, she kept messing around with the uh, the fireplace, for God's sake. She was like, I don't know, four, something like that. And I kept saying to her, no, 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 don't go over by the fireplace. No, no, no. And um, every house I lived in, except for one, that's this one. No, people didn't have a fireplace. Yes, it did. It had a beautiful fireplace. I take that back. What am I saying? All right, only one house without a fireplace. But anyway, um, she kept taunting me and going by the screen, you know, how you have that over the fireplace, right? And um, you'd think that the, the heat coming out would have turned her off. Finally, I did take her little hand, and I did smack it. Oh, my God. That's not terrible. But I don't know. I don't consider that child abuse. Sorry. I'm, I'm considering that to being saved, you know, not catching on fire or something, whatever. But parents who beat their children, parents who pull their panties down or their underwear down, um, and smack them and smack them. That's child abuse. That's corporal punishment. When my child, when both of my children went to St. James School, okay, Catholic school, and my daughter, for some reason, and, of course, little girls wore, wore skirts, but she decided she was going to climb the basketball court uh, thing, okay? I don't know why. She must look like a monkey. I can't even picture her doing it, all right? But anyway, that's what she did. And uh, Mother Superior came out, got her down, and in front of the kids, pulled her panties down. Now, I didn't know this right away. Pulled her panties down and spanked her. I don't know if she used a ruler or not. So they so often use rulers. I don't know. Maybe she did with a bare hand. I don't remember. Now, I'm sorry, that's not the way you handle kids. You don't do that. You remove the child from the situation. You take the child into, you know, the school. You sit them down. You tell them why they did wrong and make them write an essay. Kids hate to write essays. Now, that's a a better way of doing it. So I agree about corporal punishment. You try first sitting down with a child. In fact, the books will tell you all this and the internet will tell you all this, everything. Uh, You sit them down, you talk to them, and you tell them why it's not right, why it's wrong, because kids are not dumb. And uh, never say, because I told you so. That's not good enough. Sit them down and let them know. Let them think about it. And they might even agree with you, okay? Okay. So then there was no physical abuse going back and forth. None of that stuff going on. And the child will have more respect for you. Yeah. So anyway, let me get this over with here, and then I'm going to go to something else. Okay. Um, Even when done in the name of discipline could be child abuse. If you're concerned that your child or another child has been abused, seek help immediately. Depending on the situation, contact the child's doctor or a health care provider, a local child protective agency, um, the police department, 
or a 24-hour hotline, such as what has it right here from Mayo Clinic. It says here is Child Help National Child Abuse Hotline, and that number is 1-800-4-A-CHILD. Now, you write that out. It's 1-800-422-4453. Our cards have 1-800-4-A-CHILD, but the actual number instead of the 4 is 422-4453. 1-800-422-4453. I don't care if it's 2 o'clock in the morning, like what I did, or, or what time. They're there manning the phones. I called them just recently just to make sure that they were still working. And, yes, they were still working. I spoke to a nice guy there. Okay. So that's what you do. And they're, they're very polite. So keeping these things in mind, of course, if it's something immediately that you see in front of you where a child's getting, you know, hit in the head or something, you're out on the street and you see all this stuff going on, of course, then, of course, you call 911. And, uh, but other than that, you can do the others. Because what they're finding out now is that more and more departments, more and more actual court systems are actually thinking about finding people who know about it and keep their mouths shut. And if, and I'm talking about neighbors, and uh, if a child gets killed in the process of this, then you're in big, bad trouble if you didn't report it. So keep that in mind. And I, I think that's a good thing. As far as in a store, and you, how many times do you see parents abusing their kids in the store? They're screaming, yelling at them, kids are kids. I want this, I want that, whatever it is that they're doing. There's proper ways of handling it. You don't smack them in, in public. You don't do that. You don't do that. What you do is go to a security officer because most stores do have security, especially today, okay, and you talk to them about it. That's what you do. And they'll take care of it. And they won't even know who told on them, okay? So that's a way of handling it in public and stores and places like that. You stay out of it, but you report it to this, uh, you know, upstairs. It's usually upstairs. They have cameras all over the place and everything. To the security officers, and they'll take care of it. And you may have saved a kid. You may have. None of us knows what goes on behind closed doors. But what we can do as citizens, we can, you know, make that phone call or go to security, you know, like I said, whatever. Do something. Don't do nothing. Because then you're just as guilty. All right, now, we don't have much time left. This goes so fast when we have these shows, but I'm going to get into a little of this. Now, this is from childwelfare.gov, okay, childwelfare.gov. That's another very good site to go into, and it'll teach you a lot of what I speak, childwelfare.gov, okay. It's a gateway. That's what it is. It's an informational gateway. Um, Maltreatment can cause victims to feel isolation, fear, distrust, which can translate into and transform into a lifelong psychological problem. 
That's what it does. It can manifest itself in, in educational ways, in low self-esteem, depression, and trouble forming a maintaining relationships. Maybe that's why the divorce rate is so high. It's not just 50-50 anymore. It's getting higher, okay? People who were abused as children and they didn't go for help. And so what happens? They have a very poor relationship. The child may struggle with self-regulation. I spoke about that on our last show. Knowing how to calm down, that's what that is, because they become so filled with anger when they're a child. They get filled with anger. Many times that anger carries over into their adult life. Okay. And they have trouble with impulse control or the ability to think through, you know, things through and, and consequences maybe for their actions if they do something. Okay. Before acting, in fact, it says it right here, before acting. As a result, completely traumatized children may behave in, in ways that appear unpredictable. They become volatile. Let me tell you something. If you're fed hate, you turn into hate, and that's all I'm going to say. Five emotional effects of child abuse. Hopelessness, hate, despair, misery, rage. They may become suicidal, have self-made cutting marks that they've done. Um, that's what happens when they from, come from dysfunctional homes. They have bruising, cuts because they're getting hit, uh, broken bones, health problems, and uh, undernourishment or even death. Now, I, I had articles also on People, like teenagers, going out, they don't know how to choose proper partners. And that will be another show because we have to teach our teenagers the red flags of somebody they're going out with. Maybe very sarcastic. I didn't see it with my first husband. I had no idea that he was going to turn into such a monster. Okay. My one friend of the five that I hung out with, the Fab Five, she used to say to me, Carol, can't you see... Can't you see what he's saying to you? I know I couldn't. And that's because we're fed all of this negativity as we're growing up. And it becomes like normal. We're used to it. So I wasn't able to see the dysfunction coming out of this handsome man's mouth. I think all I did was look at his face and didn't listen to him. (laughs) I don't know. But anyway. Okay. The worst part of this is it causes brain dysfunction. Brain dysfunction. Brain development, memory problems, self-control problems, and responses to stress. Okay. Childhood sexual abuse, a mental health issue. Children living with a mental or with mental illness, um, learning disabilities they can have or physical disabilities are more than twice as likely to report childhood sexual abuse as their peers. They've done studies on this. So kids who come from backgrounds like a lot of we have, okay, they they suffer from mental illnesses and maybe even physical disabilities. And it's because of how they were treated at home. 
Okay. Experiencing abuse or after trauma puts people at risk of developing PTSD, stress disorder. Now, um, stress disorder, okay, like panic disorder, stress disorder. Again, repetitive problems makes them for a stronger problem that you're going to have later on. So it wouldn't be just panic. It would be panic disorder. That's when it becomes a disorder. Um, depression and bipolar issues. Bipolar issues. Number three, trauma and stressors related disorders in children, PTSD, acute stress disorder, adjustment disorders, reactive attachment disorders, okay, social and engagement disorders. Trauma disorders, vitals, and fine. They have you. You start getting um, physical problems. Your blood work shows it, and then your behavior too, because you haven't gone and gotten that help as an adult. Your psyche is is affected as well, and it's because of all the trauma that started way back when, and then had many years to get to where it was and where it is. And if you don't get the help sometime in your life, you're, you're going to turn into a sociopath. You could be a psychopath. You could, um, you know, suffer from other types of mental illnesses. Why do I say sociopath and psychopath? Because those are the most volatile. And remember, all throughout this I've been speaking about anger. Okay, number four, emotional abuse can lead to PTSD issues. If you experience high levels of distress for a long period of time, that's what happens. Now, this will be the end of it. Adulthood trauma experienced as child and as children. You feel disconnected when you're an adult. We've spoken about this on the show, Laura. You know this. And maybe, Philip, you've heard it too. Where people feel like out of their body or they don't feel real. I, I went through that. Like, I could be in a room with 50 people or something, and I would feel out of place. I wouldn't feel real. I'd have strange feelings. I don't care how decked out I was, how pretty I looked, all this other stuff. Um, but I didn't feel like I belonged. It's a, a feeling of like you're, you're, you don't belong. Okay? It's a very bad feeling. So they call it here, but this is what they mean, feelings of disconnected. Um, and, and then also, too, the people that you see all around you, they're all having fun and all this other stuff. You don't feel a part of That's where the disconnection comes in. You feel disconnected. You have trouble controlling emotions. You have heightened anxiety. You suffer from depression. And, of course, again, anger in big, bold letters. We know that what happened to us wasn't right. And we become angry people. That's why I punch people in the nose. <laughs> I was angry. I was mad. All right? Abuse, if not addressed, people suffer from low self-esteem, difficulty forming relationships, which we've covered a little bit. But that relationship, many times, it comes from the person who came from dysfunction. Addiction. Yeah, I'd like to drink my beer and pop my pills when I was a kid. 
I don't know why I'm alive, Lori. I popped so many of those quaaludes and drank with it, and they're both downers. Alcohol is a downer. People don't realize that. They get all excited. Ah They go out and they dance, and, and they get up and sing like I used to do. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, I get up there doing all these fun things. But then all of a sudden you crash, okay? You crash. Some people call it passing out. You do that, too. All right. Uh, you suffer from depression and anxiety, which we've already done. We've already spoken about. All right. The attachment theory is one way of looking at our relationships with our caregivers in childhood. All right. Now, what they mean by that is because there wasn't any real true attachment or the attachment that we had was not normal, all right, there was too much abuse or, uh, and again, that comes in the physical, the mental, the emotional, the psychological, and, and the neglect, all the, all the abuses that we speak about, okay, then you're going to have problems very often in uh, adulthood. You just simply will, and that's a shame. Because we, we, we should be happy too. We, we, we should be happy just like any other person that came from a home that was not dysfunctional. And then sometimes, like I'm doing now, you get a feeling of grieving. Now, what do I mean by that? How many times have I spoken in all of this, not just me, spoken about you look at a family. Now, I know, Lori, you've spoken about this, and you feel like they're normal. And mommy's happy, daddy's happy, kids are happy. They probably have a dog with their head hanging out the window of their car, you know, that type of happy, all right, all these things. And you know, in your, you know in your heart and in your mind, your visual, that what you're seeing is probably normal, and we didn't have that. So that's where the grieving process comes in which is also a part of the healing journey because you have to look at all parts of the healing journey. The healing journey is not an easy thing because you do grieve. You grieve that you didn't have a a proper mother and father. You do grieve that maybe you were sexually abused right within your own family and nobody cared. You do grieve that you were abused on the outside as well. You do grieve that you didn't have proper marriages or relationships and you didn't know how to, you know, to get them. You do grieve that you felt funny in a room with 50 people, even though you looked well pretty in in high heels and a pretty dress and all this stuff. Still didn't belong there because my mind didn't belong there. I was too damaged. Recovery and healing takes time, but it is possible Positive life changes, okay, relationships, and all the other things we spoke about can get better. But you have to have a a finding of good, positive, new relationships. Get away from people who are toxic. If your family members are toxic, get the hell away from them because they're just going to bring you down. And if you're trying to work on yourself to make yourself feel better, to be more normal, if you can be more normal, all the things that you go through, um, it's very hard to find normalcy. But you can find normalcy. You can. Um, But it takes time. So get away from people who are going to bring you down. If that's family, forget about them. 
because they don't belong in your life. And if they don't like you, so what? What matters is if you like yourself. That's what's important. Do you like yourself? You will learn to like yourself as you go along in the healing journey. And you speak to people like us here and, and, and other organizations and whatever, and you realize you're not alone, you realize you're not crazy and all this other stuff. Maybe you need help. Who wouldn't? But that doesn't mean that you can't heal. Okay? Now, they offer two things here under recovery and healing. Um, let me see. This is from 2021. So it's um, it's pretty much, you know, right up to date here. Uh, a lot of people believe in um, EMDR. A lot of people like that. And uh, then they have something else that's called cognitive processing therapy. And it's only for 12 sessions. Okay. Um, and the reason why they have these sessions is now with this one, and I, I know what these are, the cognitive processing therapy is where they're trying to get you, okay, we, we speak about all this horror on our show, do we not? Yes, we do. Okay, so what do we do with this horror? If we internalize that horror, we're never going to heal. It's very hard to just get rid of it. You can't get rid of it because it was a part of your life. It's a part of your fabric. It's what you grew up with. It's what you knew. But you're going to find a different way of looking at it, and they teach you how to do that, okay? And that's called Cognitive Processing Therapy, 12 Sessions. I can't tell you about the insurance. I can't tell you if it's covered. I can't tell you anything about that. I, I learned about it. And that's what they do. They actually get you to become more of a positive person. And so often many of us are sad people. How can you be positive? Because we keep going backwards and we keep looking at all the stuff that we looked at when we were a child, all the stuff that we saw, you know, like in domestic violence or all the things that happened to us personally. And um, you can't live your life that way, okay, and be happy. So it teaches you a new way of looking at life, and it takes 12, at least 12 sessions, it says here, um, to reach that point. And to me, that's worth it, to take those sessions. By changing your thought process, that's what it's called, how you feel, you can change how you feel. Can't change what happened. This is from 122. Okay. No, I'm sorry, it's at 11. November 22, it's almost a year old, so that's current. You can't change the past, but we can change today and look forward to the future. They help you with this type of thing. They teach you how. So then you have EMDR, and you have something that's called CPT, are both good treatments for PTSD. Okay, um, those work more on the PTSD issues that you have. One is for more emotional, and yes, you can have PTSD with it. A little bit more in depth, the first one I spoke about. And the second one with the EMDR uh, and the CPT are both good treatments for PTSD. So, you know, if you have a therapist, inquire about it. I'm surprised they haven't mentioned it to you. If you have a therapist, um, it's something that they should mention to you, okay? 
um, from Public Central. This is the last one. The show is just about over. Childhood traumatic events are risk factors for developing bipolar disorders, possible suicide attempts, and substance misuse. Who affects? Uh, oh yeah, affect regulation. In other words, not being able to process your anger in a way that you're not going to get in trouble. Okay, and you calm yourself down. You learn how to calm yourself down with regulation. That helps you with your impulse control and cognitive functioning that might decrease the ability to cope with later stressors. So that's the show for tonight. If you want to ask me any questions, because this last part is very important, it can be worked with. Um, You can email me. I'll help you um, to understand it better. But, you know, we don't have much time left. So these shows that I put on are things I've already known a lot about, but then I update it, like I said earlier. You know, try to get it to 2022 at least, right? And um, so that's current. And the things I just spoke about, the EMDR, because we, we know about that, but the others you don't hear about, and you should. When I was working in Greystone, they gave shock treatments yet, Okay. I'm not talking about the big one, okay, the lobotomy. I'm not talking about that. (laughs) They stopped that years ago. But um, that's in the frontal cortex, low barrier. You don't want to have that. You're a zombie then. Um, But they don't do that anymore. So, but with the the shock treatment, I had friends, Lori, that would actually go to the hospital and demand it because they felt that it truly helped them. Can you imagine that? Yeah. I had a couple of people <laughs> I know go for that. Yeah. I don't know when you're, um, it's just like looking for another outlet. You know, maybe it doesn't help them, but maybe they were coming from something so bad that they think it is. They don't know. I don't know. I had a friend mm-hmm. that went for it. And um, she was one of five children. And three of the children, t- uh, t- well, no, two of the children and the mother who was the main maniac in that family, okay? Um, She'd slap her kids in the face for nothing. And one night I was sitting at the dinner table. I was there for dinner. I got slapped too. (laughs) Whoa. I thought to myself, gee, I guess I'm part of the family. (laughs) Oh, my God. But she, she went and she got the shock treatments also. Now, I can't speak for them. Um. I thought it was pretty horrifying. I don't know. And, and I didn't watch it either. Didn't have to. I had other things to work with. But um, so the the point is um, now we have the EMDR, so you're not getting shocked. And, and the, the other two that I mentioned um, are very good also. Okay. So in a few seconds, we're going to have someone say, the show is over. So I hope <laughs> I was helpful with the information that I gave tonight. And, you know, I, I learn, too, because I, I get updated. That's why I love research. I do. Because it already updates a lot that I know, and then I learn a lot that I don't know. And it's so easy to do. Type it in your browser. Think of something. What are the stats for 2022 for maltreatment? Type into your, in your, into your browser, and, and all kinds of information will come up. Then you can have a big mouth like me. 
You know, okay? <laughs> you know, that's just the way it is. And you learn from it, though, and that's what's so important. Again, going by our mission statement, educating the public. So, Lori, do you have anything you want to say? I think everything was good. I mean, the information was perfect. Um, I don't think you left anything at all. It's got to give people, you know, a sense of something to build on, which is what we want from the shows. And yeah. I'm glad that, you know, it's kind of like a trio here on Friday night, but it works, you know. You get the information out, Absolutely. and uh, you feel good. Well, you know, I want so badly to alert the communities because in the more of the urban areas, not that it doesn't happen over here in the woods, honey, um, but, you know, in the urban areas, um, there's so much child abuse because of the concentration of the people, okay? How many people are there? You're going to have a lot more child abuse. So, but they have to learn. They have to want. They have to want to become a part of the solution, all right? And that's what I'm looking at it now. It, it's up to we, the people, and certainly we, the survivors, who do know so much, who have walked that walk, you know, to be a, a part of the solution um, by going and giving presentations when you can, things like that. We're hanging up information like I've mentioned so many times. Get it right off of our website, NASCA, N-A-A-S-C-A dot org. Make copies. It has right there the red flags of child abuse. So when people go over to the bulletin board to see what's for sale, hmm, they'll, uh, whether it is a car, a motorcycle, I like motorcycles, but anyway, whether it's a car or a house for sale or, or jobs in the area, whatever the case might be, you have to ask first. I always tell people this. You know, ask people if you can post that. You know, like the red, even the red flag, something as simple as that, the red flags of child abuse. So many people are going to see that. So you're educating a lot of people that way. And the more stores you go to who say, yeah, sure, put it up. I think it's a good idea. And let's hope people think that, right? Think of all the people that are going to see that. Okay. So that that's not a little thing to do. It turns into a big thing. That's a way of educating society, educating the public. So, Lori, I know last time from the last show that we had, you uh, you did something with your windows. You put things in your windows about child abuse. Yeah, I mean, I made signs. I would put them on the lawn. I painted the... Door blue for child abuse awareness. I mean, the well mm-hmm. and the windmill is blue for the same reason. There's no way in the world nobody knows that um, about child abuse awareness around here. They don't know enough. They don't know enough, and that's been around since 1984, when Ronald Reagan was president in 1984. He brought forth. Child Abuse Awareness Month for the month of April. Now, that's a long time ago, all right? I think that's when Philip was born, maybe, or something. I don't know. <laughs> I can't tell. He has a young voice. But anyway, um, the point is that um, all those many years, 1984, okay, to now, 
That, I, I was hoping to be further ahead, you know, further ahead than what we are. But with everything that's going on in our world, too, right now, look at this maniac who's out there shooting people with the, you know, the gun that he has, this huge gun. Um, I think people have the right to defend themselves. I've always said that in the proper ways and all this other stuff. But this guy's a nut. I would love to know his background, where he came from. That doesn't give him the right to be where he is. I'm not making you know excuses for this guy. And he's obviously mentally ill. Um, many people in Greystone were hearing voices. I mean, that's just that's the lightweight things that happen to those people with the voices. So, I mean, this guy, in my opinion, in my opinion, should never have been able to leave if he was still hearing voices. I'd like to know his record when he was in the service. I mean, there's people that should have seen something, you know what I'm saying? And and, um, and they're talking about it on TV. This is public. They're wondering, too, why he was released from the hospital if he was still hearing voices. All right? Yeah, so, that's sick. Yeah. So we've got all kinds of things going on in our world. and um, But remember, anyone out there listening or you listen late or whatever, um, the child abuse is 365 days a year. And like I say, it doesn't take a vacation. All right? It just simply doesn't. So whether you, um, you know, look at Child Abuse Awareness Month in, in the month of April, which, again, has been around since 1984, um, or whether you do it two months later, maybe you're busy, you can't, maybe you're sick, whatever, whatever. But, you know, get if you can, all right, just make copies even. And there's other things on, on the um, Internet you can make copies of. Uh, that's not so hardcore, if you will, because we know it all from what we went through. You don't have to use the really nasty stuff. But um, the red flags is very, very good because a lot of people don't know what those, you know, signs are. So that's educating them. And that's the way it goes. Philip, do you have anything you want to say? It was a good show tonight. Thank you. And I'm, th- I'm, gl- I'm glad you were here. You were a part of it, okay? And that's good. And you can talk anytime you thanks. want. That's up to no. you. Yes, um, thanks. Seriously, yeah. And um, so, you know, we, we do the best we can, don't we? You know what I'm saying? And um, so if we just keep talking and talking and talking about it, writing books, okay, um, people are trying to make movies now. I know of one guy right now who's trying to make a movie. Um, we already have one movie, and if you haven't seen it, um, this, what was it called? The Freedom of Silence, I think, something like that. <laughs> I'm forgetting the name of the movie. But it was out there. No, that's and I it. Did... Is that it? Yeah, that's, that's it. it. Yeah. So, um, you know, let me tell you something. That movie, me and Miss Tuffy here, it made me bawl. I mean, I didn't go boo-hoo-hoo, but tears came down my face, and that never happens because I wasn't allowed to cry. And I, it's very hard for me to cry. I wish I could cry because maybe I'd feel better. You know what I'm saying? But um, or maybe I'd just get a headache. <laughs> I don't know. But, you know, I saw myself in that picture, 
in, in that movie. And um, and I'm happy to report, and I will say it several times, that uh, that place was packed with people. So you see, people are taking more of an interest, Lori. They are. They're, 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 there's, but they have to do something, and, and I don't think they know what to do. So that's why every time I run a show, I mention, you know, just to go to our, our NASCA website, make some copies, and hang them up. And, and probably hundreds of people will be looking at it because everybody goes to the bulletin board. I do. I want to know what's on there. A lot of times in food stores, all right, the laundromat's a good place, and certainly daycare centers because they don't know enough. They should. 90 seconds. What were you going to say? Hurry up. They said 90 seconds. Yeah, many seconds. I'm like, this is an awesome show of information. There's no way that um, all bases weren't covered. Uh, people definitely have a starting point and continuing point to get the word out. That's that's what it's about. Well, think about it. What happened tonight it came from Mayo Clinic, a lot of it. And that again, that's I have paperwork here from Mayo Clinic because I made copies of it, right? So, um, and then other things like a Psych General, that's one, and then Psychology Today is another. You can get all kinds of information. But I do the I trust Mayo Clinic. It's well acclaimed. I mean, people think very highly of Mayo Clinic, and and they have just about anything you need to know about child abuse. Maybe not all. That's why I go to a few others, but they certainly have a lot. So anyway, okay, thank you so much, both of you, for being on. Um, I think we covered a lot of area here. And um, next Friday, remember, um, we'll have an organization come on, a safe place for men. And that's all about guys who went through abuse. And it's a good, uh, I think it'll be a very good show. Okay, I have to hang up now. We're going to get cut off. So thank you, good night, night. and stay safe, both of you. Okay, all of you. Good night. Love Talk Radio.